Right, episode one, the ECS experience. Mr. White, he's, he's first on. We're going to be discussing how the Bogner boy became a man. I'm Paddy in sixth form. Sam Raj, do you want to introduce yourself? I'm Sam Raj. I'm also in sixth form. Me and Paddy's starting a new podcast. Right, Mr. White, introduce yourself. I'm Mr. White, uh, head of football at York Castle School. Um, bit, of a, bit of a boy, Bogner boy. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're going to talk about uh, how I got started in football. Mr. White, how did you first get scouted into academy football? Scouting into academy football um, all came about uh, a game that I played for my local side, Bognor Martlitz. Um, we went on an end of season tour uh, to sunny Isle of Wight. And it was there where one of the Portsmouth FC scouts uh, noticed my ability. Um, and it was soon after, after the game, after we got back from the tour, phone call to my parents to invite me to come training for Portsmouth, um, which I did every Thursday, um, and things things went from there. How did that feel to be noticed? Uh, didn't really f- feel like anything at the time, but I can remember th- and being an Arsenal fan. The first actual competitive game I had to play for them um, was was against Arsenal. Big game for you then, yeah? It was a big game for me, and uh, we'd driven up one of the days during half-term, got to Arsenal's training ground to be greeted by a couple of my heroes, Tony Adams and Ian Wright. It was all while George Graham was still the manager. Uh, So I was a little bit in awe. Um, But then it was a slightly funny game because as we're getting changed to go and play, um, a little bit of commotion between both of the coaches... Uh, so we're all listed in what's going on, but it transpires that there was a breakdown uh, in the communication beforehand, and this is before emails and stuff and yeah, organising yeah, yeah, fixtures. Yeah. Um, we're playing the wrong team. So I'm playing for the under-11s, and Arsenal are putting out their under-12 side, so we're playing the year above. So everyone's like, oh, not only are we playing Arsenal, but we're, playing, playing, we're playing the old year group. And we, we roundly got beaten. Um, if I recall, it definitely got into double figures. Ooh. It was something 12. We got one. We got 12 1. But I felt good at the end of the game because. He was it, delighted to be there with the Arsenal. I was great to be that? there, but I also got commended from the Arsenal coach as well, where they come up to you at the end of the game and go, oh, well done, mate. If it weren't for you, it would have been 30 today. So I played quite well that day in a difficult circumstances, but it was more my my commitment and desire throughout that then made me established over some of the people that were already there given it was my first game and some of it was their third, fourth, fifth game um, I stood out because of a little bit of Bogner bite um, and, and sticking with it at all times is that, is that what they noticed first when you were being scouted or was it your ability? Uh, I think I did have a, a certain amount of ability but I, I think I had more uh, hunger and desire more than anything else um, I didn't and this is again in the 90s football, I didn't shy out of a tackle. No. Uh, and it was. Uh, I can imagine. Uh, it's not something that would probably get me spotted in the current day. Made for the wrong reasons yes. these days. Yes. 
I'd have had a career in the eighties. <laughs> Not quite now. Um, so when when you were sort of growing up in the academy, sort of our age, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, whatever, how did like you being in academy affect your your academics, and how did you deal with the pressures that many people at the school are going through? You know, this sort of time as well. Again, it's it's moved on in the sense that we didn't have things like day release when yeah. I was in the academy, so you didn't have to take a day off of school. Um, and then you have to catch up on that day to, to have your studies. Yeah. Um, you say pressure, I didn't really, it didn't feel pressurised in any way. It was a commitment on time to have to be away a Tuesday evening, a Thursday evening to do the training. Um, but you know, I'm not going to shed myself in some great light here, but catching up on work didn't really affect me because I just didn't catch up on work. Yeah. Um, it was all football. It was all football. And you know, probably wrongly when I did get offered the contract and Portsmouth said to me, and this was at the end of year 10, Portsmouth said to me, we're going to have you, you know, you're going to be with us at the end of year 11, we're going to give you a YTS contract at 16. Um, I completely then switched off from uh, academic life. If you could go back, would you? you Yeah, if I could go back, I would. Uh, I, I was very fortunate in that I did switch off from academic life but I turned up for the exams in June and July and was able to yeah. secure secure reasonable enough grades not the best grades I could have but I, I managed to uh, you know, get my C's in English, Math, Science uh, and I got C's what you needed yeah. I got what I needed but um, you know, there were probably others in, in my peer group at Portsmouth who didn't get what they needed and you know have had, had suffered the consequences of that on, yeah, yeah. How did, how did your peer group at school find it? Seeing that you're going to become this professional footballer, and did they think you were better than them, or were you quite grounded? Uh, I think I was. I'd like to think I was quite grounded. I don't think. And you probably, giving it the big round school. No, I didn't, <laughs> and, and I think that maybe be to my detriment a little bit. I, when I look back on my career and the reasons for my career ending. Um, not having a little bit of an arrogant streak yeah. and, and being uh, a, a big time Charlie uh, hindered me I think Did the it, ones that were a bit yes. arrogant they, they made it yes they, they do you need to have confidence. and it, it's, it isn't I, I don't like the word arrogant but there is there's a fine line between confidence over con- confidence and then bordering in to yeah, arrogance yeah, but you, you look at all the best players currently playing in the Premier League and they all have a little bit of a Something about them. A, a nasty streak in them. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm not nasty. I'm too nice. No, of course. Too nice. So, of course. with all those positives, I'm sure there were some funny moments throughout. So, was one that sticks in your head still today? Um, one that sticks in my head, uh, everyone's obviously very familiar with Harry Redknapp and how much of a, a, a superstar uh, he is now. Um, one of my memories of him, though, or probably his memories of me, and one and only memory of me before. I was completely discarded from first team uh, action was a morning where I was slightly flagging going into training. Um, I hadn't probably lived the professional lifestyle the night before. Regular occurrence? Um, No, not a regular occurrence, (laughs) but on this occasion I was was on time for training, but I needed a little bit of energy, so I I snuck up to the canteen above the changing rooms uh, before training. I was sneaking... Uh, a quick cup of tea uh, before going out to do my, my, my duties. 
Um, you know, that would be a big no-no even in today's game, tea being a diuretic and dehydrating. Uh, but I needed something to, 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 to wake me up. Um, the tea wasn't quite doing the trick, so uh, I got myself a Kit Kat as well from the vending machine. Um, again, in a professional football club, the vending machine wouldn't be there to this day. So I might, you know, if I was to live my life again in today's uh, climate, I, I wouldn't have made this mistake. But I got a Kit Kat um, and I was dipping the Kit Kat into the cup of tea before five minutes before training. And Harry Redknapp. Not best pleased. He wasn't best pleased. <laughs> I, I saw him come up and I sort of turned, I swiveled around in, in, in the chair to hide my back to him. But he, he saw it straight away and there was a few swear words. Um, <laughs> um, a very prominent swear word beginning with F that I'm sure you could imagine he repeated over and over with Kit Kat afterwards. Effing <laughs> Kit Kat. <laughs> effing Kit Kat. What are you doing? Effing Kit Kat. You're about to go out and train. Effing Kit Kat. <laughs> well, amongst all the... Um all of the swear words and uh, the abuse you received off of uh, mm. the lad Harry Redknapp. Um, what, what was your like your your sort of best memory from either playing or just being around sort of professional environment for the the years you were? Um, looking back now, you don't realise it at the at the time, but the best moment was to get up in the morning and play football, and that be your living. I I woke up in the morning, I got into training, I got my kit on, I went and played football for two hours. And then I was getting paid for doing that. And I didn't realise it at the time, and there were moments where oh, I'd be out there and I'd, I'd rather be anywhere else but football training. But now I realise that I wouldn't rather be anywhere yeah, else than yeah, football yeah. training. When I'm teaching year 12 A-level, and they're all <laughs> looking at me with you know, with their tongues hanging out, and oh, what's going on, sir? And I do realise then that, I, yeah, I was wrong at 18 to think I'd not want to be football training I'd rather be football training than well, yeah. teaching it's, uh, it's, it's a wonderful thing to you got to a match that sticks hobby. out in your head a match that sticks out in my head Southern Junior Floodlit Cup Final big game um, Portsmouth under 18s versus Wolves under 18s at Molyneux um, Portsmouth had never won anything at youth team level uh, this was, I mean, it, it doesn't sound Southern Junior Thudley Cup final, it doesn't sound very uh, enticing, but it was, was a big competition at that time. Um, and Wolves had players like um, the Lescott brothers, you know, Joe yeah, and yeah, Lescott. Yeah. He had a brother, a twin brother as well, that didn't quite make the grade, but they were a good side. Um, and the match went to penalties. Match went to penalties and then got to five all in the penalty shootout. Obviously, me being a tough tackling midfielder, I wasn't in the original five to take the penalties. Um, and I was hoping it was going to be resolved one way or another before it got to my turn. But it hadn't, it got to five all. I'd actually rather Wolves had won it. Um, so I didn't have to take so one. So I didn't have to take one. <laughs> then five, five, and then it became six, six. And I got to all the way to seventh. And I stepped up, uh, slotted the penalty home. I'd say I slotted it home. Did. The keeper got a big touch. The keeper should have saved it. He didn't. We then they took their next penalty. Our keeper saved it. Rob Hannum, Irishman, and went cue wild celebrations and a very fun coach journey all the way. Big night on the town after celebrate. Yes, the winning penalty, <laughs> Mr. White. The winning penalty. Yeah, I made the back page of the Portsmouth Evening News. 
It's what we all oh, aspire to, um, to reach. <laughs> I don't know where that clipping is, but my mum's probably got it somewhere. She did save some of the, the, the things that, that used to happen. Well, considering you know all, all the highs yep. from, from your 18s football, how did it feel once you know you got dropped and, and that was it? You know, this was your whole life and then it's, it's, it slipped away from you. Yeah, as I say, it's, I was fortunate in that I did have the grades. So I did uh, have a few seasons of pottering around shall I say I uh, I still played amateur football yeah semi-professional football but it's not training every day that's then um, oh I've got to go and do some work for a living um, <laughs> and I, I found some of the employment that I, I got into uh, was not not for me it didn't it wasn't stimulating so fortunately with my grades I was able to then go to university as a as a yeah. mature student uh, to enable me to get into this routeway because um, box packing uh, which is what I was doing uh, not very exhilarating it wasn't very very exhilarating it's not all the box packing on, on a conveyor belt line um, not fun at all how was well sort of in between that I remember you talking about before you, you went you went to America for a bit and uh, had a little a little tour of America yeah I did have a little tour of America again that's um, uh, was I view it as a lot of bad luck. Um, I'm a bit of a Jonah. Everywhere I've, I, I, I seem to have ended up after Portsmouth, ended badly. Yeah. Um, I, I, I had an uncle who lived in Canada, and he said, "Come over and play for. We got a new franchise. If you, anyone's familiar with American sport franchises, they start up in different places. And the, the, the town he lived in, which is in Edmonton, in near the Rocky Mountains, he said, "We've got a franchise coming. A new soccer franchise coming over." Why don't you have a go at try, you know, playing for them? And I went over and played for them. Um, it was professional still. It wasn't as much as I'd been been paid, but it was still being a professional footballer. Uh, but unfortunately, they soccer didn't really take off in Edmonton. It's a big ice hockey town, um, and the the male soccer was inferior to, to female soccer over in Canada. Um, they just weren't generating any money. No crowds. In fact, the the men's football was the warm up act for the the, the girls coming on afterwards where the stadiums were full but the men's stadiums were empty um, and about two, three months into my American American dream um, the, the club had had folded and I was there over in the States and what am I going to do now sort of thing so took a little gap here I took a little <laughs> gap here and uh, hired, a, hired a car and just toured America for went and lived Good part of a, of a year, but wasted all my money in the in that period. As every student should. As every student should, so. yeah. The, the final destination of my American tour, funnily enough, was Las Vegas. It all ended there. And it all ended <laughs> As all good stories do. So, how do you deal with it now? Do you live back a regret, or do you look back at it positively? You know? um, a mixture. Uh, there are a lot of positive bits that, that that I still look back on, but I do still look back on. With, with some bitterness in certain regards, particularly when I, and I still to this day see people that I used to play with playing on TV and I think, oh, I'm, still, I'm better than that person, I'm better than that <laughs> person. I still think that, um, but yeah, mostly it was a positive experience, yeah. Does it, you know, ser does it seriously affect your mental health? Because it, it would, you know, some people. I think it's important to talk about it as well. Um, or has it done in, in it's previous? It's not something I've actually really. I've not broached this subject. No, and I've, I've not. But with the prevalence of mental health in the media, 
Um, I would say there were periods, probably on leaving Portsmouth, where my mental health did, did suffer. Yeah. And actually, um, when I look back on what the, the club did for me, probably was not was not enough. And uh, given that I'd been there since 11 years old and then left at 23 years old, um, and just to get up and walk out the door and that was it. not go back. But yeah, there was there was no aftercare yeah, or yeah, yeah. phone calls or anything to see how you were getting on or any route ways to see to get you into to employment. It was okay, you're a professional footballer, we love you, we love you, we love you. Then next day. Next day you're out the door. We're not you're out the door. Um and you you you're fending for yourself. Where actually as a professional footballer they, they you have everything done for you, you know. Yeah. Like players coming over to the Premier League, particularly players that are not native English speakers will come over and they'll just have their lives taken care of. They'll have someone look out, they'll get a house, they'll get yeah, this, yeah, that, yeah. the other, they'll have a chef, they'll have everything you could want. So you can just go in in the morning and focus on football training and everything is done for you. And then when the club don't want you anymore and that's all taken away, it's it's a, it's a quite a daunting experience. Well, um, you, you'd like to think that that's, that's changed now. It, you you would like to think it's changed. I and mean, I think with the, the vast amount of money that's involved in the game, you would think it has changed, but... Yeah. The, the, um, the academy pressures what, yeah. still seem to be what advice would you give kids in our school especially who are playing professional sport and all cricket, football or rugby um, I, I think the advice you'd have to be aware of of, of how cutthroat the business is it's, it's, you have to have a plan B you need a plan B It's yes you want to be confident and go into it thinking I am going to be the man I'm going to do everything to be the man, but you have to have a root way knowing that it's all going to end one day. Right. Thank you very much, Mr. You're White. You're welcome. Really appreciate it. No, Take care. You. That's our first ECS experience yet. Yeah? So we're done. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you very much for listening. And uh, thank you.